an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1020. I will be performing in New York at Caroline's on Broadway, October 3, 4, 5. 3, 4, and 5. Well, that's just in a couple weeks from the time I'm posting this. So uh, also I'll be in Irvine, November 15, 16. And then I'll be in Tacoma, December 12, 13, 14. So if you go to ID10T.com slash tour, that'll have uh, ticket links and info and oh, if you just go to id10t.com there's a lot of fun merch stuff there and also uh, if you go to id10t.com slash sign up then you'll just be on an email list and i know email list you're like ah, really email list but uh, we don't send stuff that often and and in the crowded social media landscape i do find that <laughs> i myself uh, subscribe to email lists especially in a world when the uh, social media algorithms are keeping you from even seeing stuff from people that you've elected to follow. So uh, in any case, I hope to see you there at any one of these shows. And uh, also, instead of the self-promotion, let's talk about the you promotion. Events at ID10T.com is how you get on the cork board. Like Lauren, who writes, F This Movie, which is fthismovie.net is a weekly podcast just celebrated their 500th episode and daily blog and the talented movie lovers that are there gearing up for Scary Movie Month in October. Watch a scary movie every day that month and write a seven-word review. They will provide tons of suggestions, including daily articles on the site about everything you wanted to know about Italian horror and more. Va bene, mi piace, orore di italiano. Grace writes... My wonderful friend Allison Mills' first book was published on September 10th. It's a children's book called The Ghost Collector. While there are ghosts in the story, it is not scary. I especially recommend it for anyone experiencing loss and grief or for anyone interested in Native American culture, Cree in this case. Native American culture is underrepresented in today's society, so I really wanted to get the word out there. Find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. This episode is Rob and Sherry Zombie. Um... I have known them since the 1995 Video Music Awards when a little band called White Zombie was interviewed by a little singled-out host named Chris Hardwick, who was uh, running around doing correspondent stuff for the Video Music Awards that year, hosted by Dennis Miller. Okay, babe? Okay. One of my... One of my Marcus Aurelius over here in a Boombasha Labaloo. Um, but in any case, 
Rob's been on a bunch. Sherry has never been on. And I just adore them so much. They're two of my dearest friends. I love them with every fiber of my being. And I saw Three from Hell the other night, and it's fucking fantastic. It is the third in the series of uh, that started with House of a Thousand Corpses and then went to Devil's Rejects, and now uh, Three from Hell. It is fantastic. So much fun. Uh, and I'm just so happy for him and proud of them. And uh, Sherry is phenomenal in the movie, which I'd say right away in the podcast. I just went over to their house, and uh, we had some dinner, and then we uh, just recorded a little uh, chatty conversation. Uh, also, Rob is on tour pretty constantly, so check that out. And he has a great, great, great T-shirt shop called Local Boogeyman. So if you go to localboogeyman.com, and I think there's actually even a, a little brick-and-mortar pop-up store here in Los Angeles, maybe in Echo Park. So go there and check that out. But uh, And also stick around at the end of the podcast. The word salad wrap is actually us all sitting around talking about our very first memories of stepping onto the set and working on House of a Thousand Corpses because it's... Uh, it's been about 20 years. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right. Here is the ID10T podcast number 1020 with Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie and Chris Hardwick Zombie. Initiating ID10T protocol. Tea is good. I'm happy you're happy. Sherry Monzabi has made tea. It is a delicious it. tea called <laughs> World Peace. Create World Peace. Create World Peace. Okay, so it's a call to action. It's not just a. It's, it's not just a passive. It's, tea. it's not just a passive platitude. <laughs> yeah. It is a. Live with purpose. This tea Live is marching purpose. in the streets with a fist in the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sherry, how's your microphone? Abala bala. I think it's pretty good. Abala. Um, we were sitting in Casa de Zombie. See, the day after the world premiere of Three from Hell, a film series twenty years in the making. I want to talk firstly oh about when you said <laughs> when you said that at the top of when you introduced the movie last night, and you said twenty years. I was like, it can't be Twitter. Oh, fuck. No, it is. Yeah, it's 20 years. 20 years since I got a call from you in 1999. Chris, it's Rob. I'm doing a movie. And there's a part in there, and I want you to... It's perfect for you. He's an obnoxious asshole. Is that how I talk? <laughs> I think that, that might have He's pretty been good. He's good with impressions. The so worst. <laughs> it's me, Rob Zombie. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Chris Hardwick. I want to be in this movie. It's me, Rob Zombie. <laughs> I'm going to break this film. Action. <sighs> uh, but it, it, it's really it's hard to believe that it's been that long. And it freaks me out because I was looking at... Old, I wanted to post a picture of us at the premiere last night and then from House of a Thousand Corpses. And uh, I looked rough uh, at the Corpses premiere. Um, and I look better now, but I'm on cholesterol medication, so I don't know. I guess <laughs> the magic well, time. I, it's a pretty safe bet that all the photos of all of us were holding 
a beer. Yeah, but you both still looked great. <laughs> so now, well, well, you were holding two beers. And then just continuously swapping them out. Um, Rob, you've been on the podcast a bunch, but Sherry, this is your first. It's your first appearance. Like a virgin. Hey. Hey. That's how it went, right? I'm going to front load this by saying that. And look, I know it's the podcast, and I know we're friends and everything, but you, and I'm looking in the eyes saying this, you're fucking phenomenal in this movie. Thank like, you. Like, your performance was epic. Like, Baby has, just seeing her evolve in the last three movies, like, I, you know, if you told me that there was... Netflix was going to do like a series of this or a baby was going to get a spin-off thing. I would wa- I would fucking totally I would totally <laughs> watch it cuz she's um I don't know. It's she's always done fucked up things, but there's just a layer. There's and when people see the movie, they'll know what I'm talking about, but there is a layer to her that is more electric and disturbing at the same time. Is it fun still? I always feel like you never really loved to do the acting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like you're being forced by someone. No, no, no. no. It's, the acting I love, it's it's the rest of it that goes along with it. The business I don't love. I, you know, I am married to a director, so I hear from day one... What the move? What the next project's going to be? And then for the next two to five years, it's a day in day out. It's like this assault of Rob's creativity in his mind, but only his brain can handle it. My brain can't handle his. Like I need, I need some chill time. Yeah, I'm stressed yeah. to be around. Well, the, I but agree. The, but <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm, I am I'm saying. saying that. But the director's mentality... Can I set this right here? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. The, the, the director's mindset is uh, is rough for different reasons because, you know, it's like... Well, I remember when you first did Corpses and you were like, yeah, you really just have to answer... You have to have an answer for everything. And if you don't know, you have to make it up real quick. True. Yeah. True. And, I, you know, good if for you him. He can handle that, you know? You, if you don't... I mean... Now I do know, but before it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to get up to speed and, you know, you're surrounded by people because directors work the least in the sense that, you know, because you make a movie and the, but you're, uh, the rest of the crew might make 10 movies in the time that you made one. Oh, right, right, because right. Because you're like, the, it's, you know, like this is two years of my life. Well, in that two years, all these other guys have jumped on TV shows and other things. So, you know, sometimes you're the least, you have the least experience. So when it starts, yeah, when you first get in, you, you just... The second there's a, a question they come to you and you have that look like, um, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> so you got to know, you know, you just... Because that word would get around fast. Like, the crew would be like, this guy doesn't know what fucking Yeah, he doesn't know what he wants. So he doesn't know what he wants. He'll just fuck around. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, um, you got, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me anyway, you, you have, I mean, I, and I try to be honest with people now. and They laugh when, I, when I'm hiring people. And I was just saying this today because I was in a meeting about another movie. And I go, I would say, I'm, I'm going to drive you insane because I'm going to nitpick everything to a point. And they go, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I go, no, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm going to drive you crazy. <laughs> and, you know, some people, they're right along with the crazy and other people, it doesn't last very long. But I think, I drive them crazy. I think <laughs> my point was 
I get the crazy all the time for two years, and everyone else yeah. just gets the crazy for the 19-day shoot right. or the, or the <laughs> two-month edit, you know? But, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It, yeah, it's but, a lot. But that's why it... But I feel like... You know, because your relationship is, I think, probably one of the great success stories in the entertainment business. And I think part of the reason that you were able to do that is that you, you, your, you have worked to keep your paths intertwined in a way that you don't become isolated and grow apart from each other. Right. Like you do tour together and work on the movie together. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember the story, and I'll totally cut it out if you want to. But <laughs> no. I feel like we were—I ha- think we were having dinner at your old house in Hancock Park that you don't live at anymore with Karen Black, and I think her daughters were there. And you told the story of how you guys met, and you like you met at a show, yeah. And then I think maybe you hooked up, and then Rob yeah. called you from a payphone, right? And then yeah. like you basically—that was it, yeah. And so I yeah, and I think I turned to it. Karen Starr and I go, "So the trick is." Just sleep with someone until they call you back. All right, that makes some really obnoxious. Yeah, it works. Eventually, it will work. It, if Rob didn't call him back, it wouldn't have worked. But you know, like no. that was the time. By the way, that was a time where you had to make an effort to get to a phone and me by a phone. You needed to have change. Yeah, but I guess the question is, how have you managed to? Because you know, getting into a relationship is is easier than maintaining a relationship. You know, it's like you, you can get caught up in new relationship energy and oh, there's so much fun. But the second it becomes works, people bail. Oh yeah. Everyone's exciting when you don't know them. (laughs) But you know, when you guys, did you actively consciously make a decision to say, I think it's going to be really important for us to make sure that we don't grow apart and we might be on top of each other sometimes emotionally, but it's important for us to, you know, to maintain, to go the distance. Did you foresee that or did it just evolve that way? I think, I mean, we may have discussed. A little of both, but maybe. A little, Yeah, I think we just, we didn't want to be apart from each other. We, we were just, so in No, love. we love being together and <laughs> yeah. we like doing things together. Like, I like, like the way I do, like the movies is different than a lot of people do. Like, I like like we're a team. Like your first movie is my first movie. We're a team, and I like bringing back the same people. I like this sort of like, this is our world mentality, our bubble. But even when you were touring before you even started exactly, making movies, yeah. you know, well, well, yeah. I always would go on tour, and then I started being a dancer, part of yeah, the show, I, yeah. and we always like we're just always together. Yeah, so we liked it to be. And yeah, we still do that. It's the same thing. I don't know. It's fun. We're creative weirdos. Yeah, but that's, I mean, of, of all the people that, and I've told Rob this a million times, but it just, you know, I look at people who have succeeded in really interesting ways, which is like you, you carve your own path and you don't wait for people to, I mean, to a degree, especially when you're working with studios, yes, you still have to get yeses and sometimes, but you've managed to chop that down to its bare minimum. And still, you know, be the, this autonomous entity. Um, but you do, you do have to choose to be together, and you have to choose to make time for each other, and you have to choose to figure out well, how can we be involved in each other's world? And that is admirable because it's easier to not do that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Oh yeah, it I mean, is. And, and and there's finagling of schedules and a projects. Lot. I mean, trying and to figure out years in advance of scheduling. And sometimes things. we get exhausted where we're like looking at the calendar, like Jesus Christ, we're already like booking next summer to some, you know, like because you're like, well, this tour is going to be here, but then we'll go on vacation here. Maybe this will happen. Shoot there. a movie here. Yeah. Like, but you, you know, but you just can't wing it, you know, because like it's especially trying to maintain touring with making movies is. And a life, yeah, is cuckoo. And I don't go on the road all the time anymore. Not as much as before, I got, I got, you know, I've got my own thing going yeah, on right. too with the animals that we rescue and everything. So I mean, it's a lot of finagling, but I think we finally found balance. I mean, I'm a Libra, so I'm always searching for balance. <laughs> you did your time on the Seriously, road. Seriously, yeah. The series. 25 years of touring. I go out to the fun <laughs> cities now. <laughs> did, you, did you resurrect Total Skull, or were you thinking about resurrecting it, or are you going to do something? No, just I, uh, my clothing company that yes. I had, like, I think I started that in 2006, but um, I just worked with um, this guy James last year, and we just did a few special edition tees. It's just not a, really a passion of mine anymore. I'm not really that interested in... Um, Selling T-shirts right now, I, so I remember I've moved when that on. Yeah, I mean, I had, I loved it. I was, I had so much fun in it. But I think just because you find a certain a creative outlet for one thing doesn't mean you have to do that the rest of your life. You can do that and then move on and do something else. And that's yeah, what I've done. I remember, I remember that moment where you started and then it took off almost immediately, and you were like. Fuck! I have all these boxes of T-shirts that I'm storing in yeah. our pool house, yeah. and it's, and really just like nailing shit out yourself. And yes. then it was that, but that's part of the the you know again the romantic new ener- new relationship energy idea of oh this new T-shirt coming, and then you see what the maintenance is. It's always the maintenance, yeah. And you see what the maintenance is, and you're like, this is fucking <laughs> rough, you know. Well. I didn't go to college for business or anything like that. I literally read how um, to start a business, like for dummies books. Like I, I didn't know how to do anything, so I started that. And Rob was super supportive, and we support each other in every endeavor. Like yeah. whether his are more um, out there for the public's consumption, but you know, there's there's total recipro- reciprocity and. Uh, yeah, we're pretty we're pretty balanced out as far as all that goes. But Total Skull, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> and how? Uh, I mean, I know that you you guys go 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 go, and then you power down, like completely power down, like farm life power down. Yeah. And do you not go? Because I say to Lydia all the time, like, let's just leave everything and go to a farm, and she's like, you, because she <laughs> wants to have a farm at some point, right? She wants goats that I that you you know I know you have goats. She wants goats. She wants the farm life because you know her family are like ranchers. Like they really they're really ranchers. And um, and she's like you a week you go nuts. And I do think about like how do you not become Jack Torrance like sitting in the in you know just are, do you ever feel too isolated? What do you well, do with the time? We would literally feel like that. We would actually say, I feel like it's the shining when we would do that in the winter mm-hmm. yeah. because we'd be on the farm in the winter and it would be so bad and it's like you know we'd be like, shorter days. So, it feels like yeah. the sun goes down at three o'clock and it's a blizzard outside and we're trapped and we get cuckoo. Yeah, so that's why we. Well, between touring and you know coming to the West Coast and the East Coast, it's there's. You know, it's a good balance it's because, out, yeah. to like whenever, like it used to be, like when you end a tour, our Wi-Fi is worse at 
this house in LA than it is in the middle of our farm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, nice to, here. And our phones are horrible everywhere. We've, we've managed to find places. all the no best places for But, uh, yeah, no, but it is nice to power down and you have, you yeah. do get used to it. Like at first you might go crazy, but then you sort of, you adapt a rhythm it. where you're like, you know, I, I've created more stuff not being in LA than I did ever being here. It's so distracting. Yeah. 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 It's just full of distractions. And I'm sure... How long does it take you to... It takes me like three solid days to start to be like, oh, I think I can feel myself starting to relax a lot. How long does it take after all the madness where you, you know, write a movie, direct a movie, shoot a, you know, put out a movie, album tour. How long does it take you to calm down? It's been like two years, so t- the movie premiered tonight, last night. So when's the when's the calm down? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I don't know if I have a calm down. Yeah. Seriously, I have a calmer downs, but never a total calm down. Yeah. I just I feel like maybe we'd get in, you know, we'd be out on the farm in that first first winter night and be like, oh, this is so cozy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's fire. Oh, isn't this the best? Yeah. And then after, after like, you know, three, four days. It's icy outside. I don't want to take the dog Can't out. do another fucking puzzle. <laughs> but it's funny, though. Like, one thing I do like doing out on the farm is that's now where I edit the movies. And yeah. the, and the And it's, it's so cool because, like, it used to be like, oh, let's drive to the, you know, very, like, blank cubicle type editing room in Burbank and you know blah 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 but now we just head out to our super cool farm editing place and it's awesome yeah it's like it's a joy to be trapped in the rooms editing Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's what you that's what you both have been really good at is basically creating the career you want and the environment that you need to thrive in without because you were you you were early adopters of like I'm getting the fuck out of this town (laughs) I mean, yeah. you've been back east, secluded for you know swaths of the year. Yeah. For my gosh, maybe like fifteen years now. I think we left in two thousand seven. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay, so close. Yeah, close. Yeah. And I wondered if so that would last. Like they're gonna get out there and they're gonna be like, and it, and you, you never, you never got tired of it. Well, we would like. We never get tired of it, but we, you know, we crave both. Like, you know, it's when we're in, it's really weird. When we're on the farm, we don't want to leave. And then when we come to LA and we stay at this house, we don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of can adapt either way mm. quickly. Well, it was hard because for those years that we didn't have a place here, well, we did, but Rob's parents were living there mm-hmm. and we'd come back and we felt like it was so weird. We felt so displaced that even though it was our own house and um, just coming back for that temporary spot, we felt like we needed a yeah. our own place to to have a better. You must have had balance. to demonsters your house for your parents, right? Did you demonsters it? Well, we took all of our stuff out of it. Yeah, but I mean, there was also <laughs> a much. lot of like really the taxidermy, the, all the taxidermy, oh, and then the I real. Feel so bad that we had that ever. The real, <laughs> but then the real specific like. The, the sort of like sponge painting on the wall like it was oh like the techniques the techniques all that stayed we didn't change any of that oh you did you no. left it all <laughs> no we just took our stuff out <laughs> but, but whoever bought that house we sold that house and whoever bought it they just gutted the whole thing that's a bummer because you had the coolest old timey pirate bar in yeah there no, they made it a whole house they, they took away all the original Dan Blocker because that was you know Dan Blocker from the Bonanza's house 
And I think they just gutted anything that was left from oh, that time period. That's such a bummer. Yeah. You know what? Don't buy an old, timey house if you're going to gut it and make it modern. You know? Like, yeah. buy a modern house. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with buying a modern I know, house. It's weird. Like, we saw some pictures of what they did, and they painted all that wood white. Oh, all that original no! Wood, wood from, like, 1930, from when it was originally built. And as, 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 a, as, someone, <laughs> as, a, as a as someone who likes to restore old houses, that is, infuriates me. Yeah. It's like, buy a fucking house with fake ba- wood paneling that's, that's so what weird. you can paint white. Don't... I know. That was very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like you can... You don't have any say over it. No. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. it and also... Um, uh, what do I need to know about having goats? Because <laughs> Lydia have really wants goats. They are not sheep. They follow their own path, goats. You know the goats. They each have their own personality for sure. They are like having dogs. They're dogs very with sensitive. Yes, yeah, some of them have horns. Some that we take in have had them cauterized off. Um, the, which oh, isn't like good the rescue, for them. They're, they're the rescue goats. Yeah, yes. they come in. Whatever shape they come we in. We take them in the condition they come in. So, um, and we just let them live. We don't milk them. They're not, they're all fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they graze around, they hang around, they play, and they enjoy the sun. And we give them snacks and we brush them and sit with them and we expect, listen to them. They basically are like, you know, we expect as much out of them as we do our cats. <laughs> yeah, they pretty much do their own thing and, you know. Yeah. Like, like, why do you have them? Well, why do you have your cat? What do you, like our big discussion about what we're going to do when we get home. Programming the DVR? I mean, yeah. <laughs> lying around. When we get home to the farm, we're going to uh, get a new tree for the goats. We're very excited to provide a new shade tree for them. Can I just, yeah. what you just said before, um, our cat Anubis does fucking buy things on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> he, because, you know, he's a 30 pound cat and so he just, he just, lies like an oil spill on the bed and right. the remote the Apple TV remote sometimes he just his body always manages to fucking find it and we'll wake up and Lydia will go oh did you buy season one of Seinfeld and they'll go no and, and he bought like the cat bought like a season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine like he's buying good stuff but we just end well, up he's never gonna get around to watching it he doesn't have the time he doesn't have the time between going to the cat tree shitting in a box burying that and then having to you know lick his own butthole he doesn't have time to watch anything but he has purchased a lot of stuff on yeah, iTunes wow. no I, we've had pets that open cats that open cabinets they do change channels, but they haven't actually purchased anything. Yeah. This is Cat Talk. Thanks for cat tuning talk. in. Welcome to Goat Talk. What did you, Kitty? No question is bad. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the idea that uh, that you, because I, mean, I think most people listening probably say they want to build their own thing. They want to build their own stuff. They want to kind of be the captain of their own ship and not really have to answer to anyone. And, but of course doing it is a whole other process. And so how, you know, Sherry, how, like what advice do you give to people about, you know, staying the course, figuring out what you want, you know, you've tried, you've, you've fucked around with a lot of different stuff. And when you, when you're not into something, you know, when to let it go and when to pick something else up and, so how do you how do you know like where's your inspiration come from? Um, I think just from 
life experience. I, I knew, I mean, when I was a little girl, I moved a lot. I went to like seven different schools in my 12-year public education uh, journey. And I think I, I just would go to each city and learn to adapt in that school and how to make friends. And, uh, and then I would move. So I had this short sort of like short atten- attention span mm-hmm. for, for relationships, I guess. And then I would just easily adapt to something else. So I think I was just, I don't know if like I made like the uh, drill team squad, but then over the summer parents decided to move so then I couldn't do it. So sort of just move on and have no, I'm not very sentimental. I just, I, I just like the journey. I don't know that it's, con- so I'm not like really mapping it out. I'm just well, on it. I think more than anyone else I know, you're like kind of an in the moment person. I try like, to be. You never look back at like, oh, remember the good old days? Or you never, you're not sentimental about objects or things. You're really like, like, like if someone texts you, mm-hmm. you're not ignoring them. You just will figure out they text you a week later. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, sometimes when I have to get a hold of you, it's not easy. Like, call the house, doesn't answer. Call the cell phone, doesn't answer. Text you, because you're just not I'd rather worried about that I'd rather look at a tree than look at my phone. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're anti all <laughs> That's that That's probably a lot healthier. And, but, but I really feel like that. And I really know, I, I used to look at my phone a lot and I used to, be on Instagram a lot and do blah, 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 you know, just be on it. You get addicted to it. And I found that I was really not happy. Um, and as soon as I made the change of not being on Facebook anymore or not, you know, being as active on social media, I started to feel better. And then I started Weird to get... how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. You just don't care. I really don't. No, don't yeah. Well, there's just... just I'm not that worried about what other people are thinking about me most of the time. Well, that's important because it's it's a hard... But it's hard to get there because it's a very judgmental society. Well, especially in the creative fields, it, so much of what we do is about judgment. Yes. Is this, is this person good enough to do more of this thing? Do we want to allow them to do more of this thing? And so it's like the stakes are high because you feel like your fate rests in other people's hands. And then now the fucked up thing is now everyone feels that way because everyone's performing. Everyone's auditioning for the public nonstop. Right. And, and well, everyone's auditioning for a like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I just don't know how, uh, I don't know how to make, it's a difficult pace mentally to maintain yeah. without completely going crazy. Yeah, I think you have to learn how to not care about a like. And people have to ride through that, and if they don't like it, then they can get off. I mean, it's not difficult to get off that train. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just don't look at your phone. <laughs> I don't even have the Facebook app on my phone. I, like, I never, I don't go on it. So, yeah. Instagram, yes, but. Yeah, whatever. That's just I don't. I don't really care about likes. I don't go back and look at comments if I post something. I'm just sort of. You don't care at all. Yeah, but that's important because it it is the only way to, especially when, again, because we had this conversation before. It's like, well, to a certain degree, social media is a necessary thing if you're an artist, if you're trying to create a relatively autonomous career. How else can you reach your audience? And it is so alluring to be like. 
How am I doing? What do people think of that? Of course, the curiosity, yeah. Oh, why'd I look? I'll tell you what they're thinking. They hate you. I've I've read... (laughs) Everything you do sucks. I've read an interview... I can sum up all the comments right now. (laughs) What was the... um, a review of Lord Lords of Salem I read and said some horrible things about me and I'm like I'm never going to read another review again I'm never going to act again and um, I don't know then I, I grew out of that but I think that made me not be like wait a second I don't know who this person is who said that why yeah. am I going to stop my yeah, no, life I got for over that, their opinion I got over that real quick because I remember early on reading like a they're always bad reviews of what other kind is there. Um, I have a funny thing to say with that. In a but, I, you know, it was like an awful review of some record from like 1987 I made. And then I met the guy who wrote it. And I was like, that loser? Who gives a shit? And from then on, I didn't care. Like when you read it and it's it's read like, you know, like oh, this guy must be so fucking badass and cool and whatever. And you're like, that fucking clown wrote it? I don't give a fucking <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, it actually... Um, <laughs> Reviews are funny because I'm like, if they're good, I don't like it. And if they're bad, I don't like it. Like, I just don't want to know anything. It doesn't matter. It's just like, it's weird. Yeah, because (laughs) I think if you... I don't care. Because, you know, sometimes I'll... My mom will send me a thing like, oh, look at this review of this thing that you did. It was really good. And I go, you know what? I don't want to read it because I feel like if I read it, then I'm sort of obligated to look at the bad stuff too. And That's what I went through. I was like, well, if I believe the good one, then I have to believe the bad she's one, like, too. She's like, no, can't you just let someone appreciate you? And I go, I don't know. I just, no, feel, weird. I just feel weird about it. I can it. I let bad. someone appreciate me, but I have to then let them hate me, too. <laughs> Is that why... I mean, here's how it works. Whatever you do now sucks, and in 10 years, it'll be awesome. <laughs> well, we always have That's that conversation about... That's equation I figured out. We always have that conversation about <laughs> corpses. And it, by the way, it delights me. Like, I just... I'm just doing shows in Chicago and D.C., and... You know, I'll go meet people after shows, and there are always people with corpses stuff to sign. Yeah. And it's people who've, like, have the posters or the DVD jacket, and they've collected... I'm so delighted that <laughs> they have collected so many... You know, it's like, oh, you got... It's so funny. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's cool. uh Yeah, and at the time, it just... It, what, it, it was like, well, I guess we did that. I, I don't know. It, well, I think a lot of it, too, for, with that stuff, with the stuff I'm, I like to do is, like... I'm coming from a place of being influenced by things that weren't really popular to begin with. Right. You know, exploitation movies that were seen as complete garbage. Grindhouse trash, and stuff. Even though they may have a you know retrospective at the Museum of Modern Art now or something. Back then it was just considered garbage. But that's the world I like. So, you know, it's like, what? so we want to... What do you expect? I mean, you're not trying to yeah, appeal but... to the mainstream. I mean, yeah. I don't... All of a sudden, Rob's making Wonder Bread. I know? don't know what the mainstream <laughs> likes. I mean, when someone's like, oh, this movie made a billion dollars and it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and I'll watch five minutes of it and go like, this is unwatchable. I want to like rip my eyes out of my head and, you know, flush them down the toilet. Yeah. But that's just the way it goes. You know, it's yeah. like, just like popular music is a better example. Like something will be so popular and I'll go like, I don't know how someone could listen to this. This is literally, I would tell you all the secrets that you want if you just shut this record off. <laughs> but then, you know, it's, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. I don't have normal tastes and I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to read this great quote from John Waters that I just saw in this book today. Here we go. This sums up everything. You can be happy and fucked up and still triumph. <laughs> that's, I got to read that book. Yeah, that's, 
There you go, folks. Yeah. Well, do you uh, is this, do you not want to take other acting work outside of? I have. I know you have, but I also feel like one time but I talked sparingly. about sparingly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were like, I don't know. It's Sherry kind of... turns down so much stuff; it's ridiculous. Not so much. Ah, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> no, not so much. But um. Oh. Okay. Well, it seems like a lot to me. Yeah. I don't stuff. know. I mean, there's. Acting isn't the only thing I like to do, mm-hmm. and I don't, when I do get asked or, or sent a script or something, I don't, I'll read it and decide if it's something that interests me, and just most often it's not something that interests me. Yeah. So, I mean, I work when I want to work. Yeah, but that's the thing is... But is- I, my time is is not, I'm not obsessing at home like, who's going to send me a script? What's my next project? Like, I don't live my life... As an actor like that, I I like teaming up with Rob and doing... Like, it means more to me. I don't want to act just to act. Like, these... We create these worlds, these characters. It's it's all-encompassing of our life and everything. And, and if we probably, like, really did a study on it, you could see, like, where we were in our relationship, depending on what movie was going on. Like, if you analyzed it. I don't know. It's just our journey. And I just don't, I I don't want to spend time that I have working on someone else's project that I don't have my heart into. That is just a flimsy piece of, you know, TV trash. Like I'm just not into acting just for acting. Like, I don't don't know. Well, and everything we've done, we have made it personal. Like, like the first movie, First people were friends, but then the people that weren't friends stayed friends. Yeah. Like, it's a 20-year relationship with almost everybody. And But when there was downtime, I was making music videos. It's the same people. Like, you can go, like, it's just the group. Like, I don't, I can't just go, oh, I just hired these anonymous models there in the video. Like, it means nothing to me. But to watch a video and go, well, that's so-and-so. These are all your friends and people. It's like, it has to mean something to me. It's like an ensemble. Yeah, I just can't crank out a product. I want everything about it to matter, at least to me, you know, because... Why else would you do it? I guess. And going back to what you were saying, if I tomorrow said like, "Eh, I'm not making any more movies," you'd probably go, "That's cool." (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things I do in life that fulfill me, and acting isn't you know the only thing. But it's so hard to know. Did you? Because that what you're saying is the sort of wisdom that comes from knowing yourself really well. And when you know yourself well, you know what you like, and you're comfortable enough in choosing things for you that you like and were you I, I feel like you've always kind of been that way like I didn't I don't really notice a substantial like and then all of a sudden Sherry started making pro her decisions like you've always kind of done that yeah I guess I've been lucky enough to be able to get away with that I, I well I like think... I said it's not really this self-conscious decision that I made it's just how I am and how I want to live I don't I never wanted to work a nine-to-five job, although I have had several. I didn't want to live the conventional um, nine-to-five schedule of a life. The whole I grew up in suburbia, and it just depressed me, and I just didn't want that. So I just pushed myself in other directions when I was really young, fresh out of high school. I graduated when I was 17. And I just came right out to California, and I just made my way. I, I, you know, I just did it. And I think you have to do that when you're young. I think so without too. Without a safety net, if you want to do something like that. And also, like you that. just you, you, 
what you said a second ago, Chris, makes sense. You have to know yourself. Like, say, like, when you haven't done something, like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to be on a red carpet? And then you do it, and you go, nothing about this means anything to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. until you do it, you don't know. Like, like that was my, the big turning point for me was um, when I did Halloween, and it was number one, and it was all the things that I thought I was striving for, and I was like, eh, I don't really give a shit. Yeah. You, know, you like, had to do it. Yeah, to it like out. I had to d- make that movie that was considered like a successful mainstream movie. Not that I was shooting for, but when it happened, I realized it didn't mean anything to me. Right. So then, so now when I do the things I would do now, I remember saying that I was one time I was on the Howard Stern show last time, and I was saying that and he was like, "Wasn't that kind of said, like isn't that a cop out?" And I was like, "No, I really feel that way. I don't care. I'm not stressing about success. I'm stressing about making." fucked up weird movies exactly the way I want to make them. Yeah, but if you... people don't like them, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, because it's... <laughs> because also, you also have to learn that it's not... It's not the destination, but it's the, you know, like, what what do you become on the journey, you know? It's like, that's where all of the... Yeah. Where the experience points are getting. It's not like whatever that symbolic trophy is at the end, where it's like, here it is. Like, oh, well, that's a, that was a half a second. Yeah. Now what? Who are you? Do you still mm-hmm. like, you like yourself? Where, where, where you got to still live with yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and I've known enough people over the years that, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, oh, I'm so smart and I did everything the right way, but like, I never changed what I wanted to do, even when advised that it might sell more records or it might do this. I was like, I get like a real sick feeling inside when I'm, not doing what I want to do. Yeah. Like I can't do, I can't be phony. Like it's really hard. Like that's why I hate when I have to get up and say something serious in front of people because I'm like, I just can't help myself. I want to be sarcastic. <laughs> that's why I had to, when I had to present this word, I'm like, I'm, other than I'm like, just read the teleprompter and shut your mouth and read it and keep your actual personality out of this. Because I just, I, I just, you know, it's like, does not play well with others. <laughs> yeah, but that. Oh, did you say that at the? Did you say that at the screening? No, I don't think so. I feel like, I feel like you said that somewhere. Maybe did I <laughs> probably? I don't know. Probably two catchphrases. But it. But it. I think you said that last night when you introduced the screening. You said something about does not play well with others, and I think it. I don't know. And I think <laughs> you talked about that just as the way of like you know we. St- I started making these things, and you know because it just it was just my way of kind of doing stuff my own way. Well, I think it's, you know, it's... Going back to the original question, forging your own thing is not easy because it's not... Like, sometimes I know I'm my own worst enemy in the sense of if you're going for success. But I don't care. But how do you define that? Like, that's not... It doesn't... Money and more exposure, I guess. Everyone's definition of success is different. I mean, you're sold an idea of what success is, but until you actually live life and have experiences, you don't know what that success is for you. Right. You know? But that's also, that type of success, that type of material success is also kind of imprisoning in a weird way. Yeah. Because you can get caught up trying to maintain it and and make uh, compromises and selly out choices because you want, you don't want to lose the, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think that's where people really get fucked. I, I honestly think, I, I don't, it doesn't matter how much money any movie or record or anything makes to me the fact that you get to do what you want the way that you want to do it and you don't have to do anything you don't want to do 
is literally the most successful you could ever become because that the, the other stuff will spike and go up and go down and you have kind of control over it. But that is like that's exactly that's the goal I think. Yeah, and and sometimes like people be like, well, don't you want to have like bigger budgets? I'm like. The fact that someone will write a check for anywhere from like 15 to $5 million and literally let me do whatever the fuck I want, that seems insane sometimes. Right. I'm like, that was the dream, not like, oh, I wish it was $100 million and no, by a committee and I have no say in this. That's exactly right. That, that just doesn't seem like success. I mean, I don't know. And then the success thing is funny too. When I, I sometimes I... When we, if I see stuff on TV and stuff, I go, there's, there's no end game. It never ends. Is the end? You want to be the number one box office star forever? <laughs> you're just gonna keep dyeing your hair dark, and you're gonna keep shaving off your chest hair because by now it's all gray, and we're just gonna keep playing this fake game of like, why? Yeah. Like, don't you just want to like, I don't know. Well, it's hard. That, that, that's <laughs> why you want to be like, fuck it. That's the addictive part of that, though. And I think if you don't. You know, the less you know yourself, I think the more you're going to chase things or maybe work that's on it. things. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. Because you're just trying to, you don't know what else to do. Right. And you don't want to, you don't want to break the momentum because it's terrifying to stop to ask those questions. Who am I? What do I want? Am I doing what? Am I happy? You know, like. That's all we do. <laughs> We're always <laughs> examining we ourselves. Analyze everything, but <laughs> we well, used to do. Way to... Yeah, we used to do that with Jen and Pete all the time. Yeah. Our friends, our mutual friends, Jen. I mean, yeah. Jen Justin, Jen star Justin, of the House of a Thousand Corpses, and Pete yes. Goldfinger, co-writer of Piranha and Saw and Saw. We Don't name that, Chris. It's not yeah. cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're, You're right. Yeah, Robert yeah. De Niro told me that. Keith Richards. Hey, yeah. come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you went for a musician. I went for an actor. <laughs> Yeah, Bobby De Niro told me that one yeah, day. Yeah, I smartly went for nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll just let the boys do what they do. Go ahead. <laughs> Try to Get outfund it out. each other. Yeah. It, uh, when we were doing Corpses, now I, to me, and one of the reasons why I'm so delighted that people want me to sign stuff and remember Corpses and it's like their favorite movie and it's so much a part of their own personal culture is, number one, it really is that kind of like underdog success story of like, you know, so many movies came out at that time, probably opened the same weekend as Corpses, that made a ton of money that no one ever talks about anymore. And yet here are people, like, chasing us down each individually to, to collect, you know, this grail. Signature. It's amazing yeah. to me. And also, I had so much fun on it. Did you have fun or was it nerve-wracking? It was a little of both, but I remember so much fun. I mean, the nerve-wracking part... There's always going to be a nerve-wracking part. Um, there's always pressures to live up to, and that being the first movie, and the of girlfriend. I don't even think we were married yet. The girlfriend no. of the director, and it was just a lot of pressure. Oh, this rock star is making a movie, and he's yeah. putting his girlfriend in it. Jack Holden, he is. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, yeah. But I also think that, uh, I mean, for me... I was basically just playing a slightly exaggerated version of myself. Oh, yeah. I but, mean, we had fun. But Baby was a character. Like, you yeah. really did character work with her. Yeah. <laughs> Most people didn't think so at the time. They just thought it was shitty acting. But no. now it's like... <laughs> I really, yeah, you know. I don't know. There's something about but that. But now over the years, you can see how it's built. <laughs> well, but this is the funny thing, though, with time. And I'm not saying just with us, with many things. It's like... 
we would never make that movie now because there was such a naive, weird spirit that we all were doing on that. Mm-hmm. And there's something when you do that, and there's such a... Like, skill is... True skill sometimes can be very overrated. Like, you know, you can have incredible musicians and there are snooze and you, some kids who can barely play and go, wow, they just... They write really fucking catchy songs. What yeah. the fuck? And there's something... There was just something odd about that movie that could only be made by people that almost didn't know what they were doing. Right. Because so many things about it were wrong. Like, stopping the movie for basically an entire minute in the middle so you can wait for a gunshot. Just weird stuff that, like, I... You know, and... And I think because of that, that's what keeps it alive. Like, I always... I, I mean, maybe say it's too much, but that's why I think, like, people still talk about Ed Wood movies. Like, uh, worst director of all time. No, the worst director of all time is some shitty blockbuster that you can't remember anymore. It's five seconds after leaving the theater. That's the worst director of all time. But these are movies that guys shooting in six days with four dollars. And people still talk about them because there's some inspired weird thing going on in with this guy. Well, that's an authenticity. There's an authenticity yeah, to exactly. it that you can see. And I think that's where the art of it is, is that you as an audience go, okay, so the presentation of this is is offbeat and weird and unconventional, but you can see the you can see the passion behind it and the artistry behind it. And that's authentic, and I think people just want authentic experiences. Yeah, and they just and want to not feel connected have, to something. It's not going to be big out of the gate because it's not going to hit the popular thing. It's going to be like, oh, what's this? So, you know, because I, I always tell people, when they're like, oh, that's the best movie, of course. I'm like, when that movie came out, literally every review was worst movie ever made. <laughs> Might have been the best review we got. Something like that. Which was, which was <laughs> such a bummer, too, because it was like, it. Having the fucking steeplechase of that movie even coming out. Because there was a period of a couple years where it's like, well, we kind of had like a summer camp experience. And I guess that's just for us. On the Universal lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, experience. Got to eat dinner in the Psycho House. First time making a movie. I mean, it was insanely awesome. I mean, we would run around on that lot and oh, yeah. go to the Psycho House. The best house. little whorehouse in Texas yes. house was yes. the house. You know, like, yeah. we wrapped, we'd crawl inside the Jaws shark at night and just <laughs> run wild like goofy kids who shouldn't be on the Universal Driving lot, the essentially. Driving the golf carts. Yeah, but um, but so now that, like, that there's a big haunt, you know, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, Hollywood, Orlando, and Dubai, House of a Thousand Corpses. It's cuckoo. Yeah. That is crazy. It's like, it's, but, but I think it's just because there's, there's just that intangible, weird thing that the authenticity, but it, it grows. Like, like, you know, you take a band like the Misfits, who probably at the height of their fame, you go like, oh, 300 people would see them. They're playing Madison Square Garden. Right. Because over the years, I mean, they're... They're, I always thought they were a phenomenal band, but it wasn't like something that got, oh yeah, this punk rock band who seems like they don't even bother tuning is going to play Madison Square Garden Shore. But, you know, it's, it's, but it's so inspired. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it is the authenticity thing. And I, it was really, when you introduced the film, it was really funny when you talked about, you, I was just, something the way about, um, yeah, we made this movie for Universal and they kicked us off the lot. Yeah. Um, you know, now you can go to Universal and see the House of a Thousand Corpses maze. Yeah. Like, that is such a weird, circular, like, how yeah. the fuck did that even happen? Only in know. this town will that happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah. 
You'll get fired for making a movie that then they want, or then I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like on the way out of Universal, is it like, but well, we'll still get to come back and do the maze here. But I'm like, get the fuck out. <laughs> Someone asked me, like, was this like what you imagined? I go, yes, I came up with a plan 20 years ago to get fired from a movie so I could sneak back here and you create a theme park. You know what, though? I, I have to say, I do have to say, and I'm sure this is something that you've, and I hope it's something that you've thought about and taken away, but. That movie getting canned by Universal was like the best thing that happened ever. Because if that had come out just as a traditional studio movie, you might have been sucked into the traditional studio system, you know? Like, it forced you to, like, wrestle the rights back away, go work for a company that really let you do whatever you wanted... And kind of build your career the way that it has become. I think it was a great thing. I mean, I'm thrilled with everything. You know, in the sense because I love... I mean, it's. I actually am amazed that I can be this way. I can have a career as if it's existing on a cult level with mainstream success. Yeah. And that's really weird. And that's, that's what I love. And do you... Do you have to prepare a lot going in when you, like, do you have to kind of get ready before you get ready to shoot these movies? Like, do you need to take a couple weeks to just, like, clear your head and not think about stuff, or do you just jump right in? Oh, no, no. It's, as soon as the idea is mentioned in the house that that's the next, whatever the next project is, that's all I'm thinking about. Like, I'm I'm always thinking about what we're doing. If we're not actually, like... Um, rehearsing, or um, I'll read the scripts. Well, or... you knew Three from Hell was going to happen like a year before anyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So, so you, I'm. It's already messing. I'm with you. thinking about it that you know, for a long time. Yeah. I think the way that, and hopefully, well, actually, I need a long time too. <laughs> well, hopefully, when this, cause I I'll, like to have it. I'll put this up pretty immediately, but hopefully, if people have seen the movie. But when does it come out on VOD? Middle of October, I believe. The middle of October. I don't know the exact date, but I really want I really want people to see it and I hope they have seen Corpses and Rejects in this one too, because it I mean I think genre wise, Three from Hell is probably a little closer to Devil's Rejects than Corpses, but it's yeah. still a different I mean, it's so crazy the way I I don't know if I've ever seen like a movie series kind of skip through different genres before. Because usually it's like, okay, well, the first one was kind of the slasher pick, so the second one's got to have more slashing. Well, yeah, I mean, the conventional wisdom is don't fuck with the formula. Right. And my thought was, well, my thought was, with Devil's Rejects for sure, was like, I had no intention of wanting to make House of a Thousand Corpses Part 2, but I had all the intention in the world of taking Lionsgate's money to make a movie. So I basically was like, well, I'll just make it the same characters. I'll kill everybody else off. I'll move them out of the house and make a completely different movie. Yeah. And just, you know, but then once it, but then it became this sort of evolution thing. And then I really liked the idea of like this trilogy of movies that are so different. Like from where the first one starts to the last one ends is such a bizarre, like, what, how does the first one begin? Oh, the first one begins with Spaulding's murder ride and yeah. ends with a machete fight in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love us when sometimes people it was so predictable. Sure. You saw the machete fight. Yeah, but also, that's sort of an interesting, like, that almost 20-year span is also, like, you're watching, 
like each one of those movies are a little bit of um, uh, a flag of you that you planted in the ground. Like you can see your evolution also as a director along the way too. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to change and do things different ways and make them, and, and, and it's also an evolution with every, all the actors too, anyone who's returning because they're not the same either. So I just, I don't want to just, if you're just doing it to repeat and put a two or a three on the end, then it's just product you're just cranking out. Yeah. I need it to still be a challenge for myself. And, you know, here goes the thing that's, you know, not always the smartest, but I want it to be a challenge for the audience. I don't want them to walk in and go like, hey, where's all the catchphrases and all the stuff I expected because it's a sequel. Right. Like, I purposely don't want it to be there. Well, yeah. So it has to be a different thing you have to, you know, pick apart. Well, people will always, I feel like people, if something is similar to what they got before, they'll go, it, was too, it wasn't different enough. And then if it's too different, sometimes they're like, why was it so different? It's like, you know what, just make whatever you <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, and I mean, there's no, way, and I know that there's no way that you could have a movie like Devil's Rejects that people have been watching for 15 years, and then drop this one that they've been watching for 15 minutes, and expect them to have the same love of it. You know, you, you can't do that. I mean, it takes time. These things take time. That's why. That's why I always joke. Yeah, ten years later, everybody loves it because they have to live with it. Yeah, but it, even but Rejects Two is another movie that it, that people that I hear fans rave about, you know, because it's a whole different, it's almost like Empire. It's almost like Empire Strikes Back. It's like, yeah, Star Wars is cool. Fucking Empire is great, you know? (laughs) Like, it, it, I think there's always an initial, I, I, I sort of liken it to, you know, like that, that part of the public, the reviewers or whatever, it can almost sort of be like, um, a kid with a new pet, you know, or it's like, (laughs) It, at first, you know, like if a if a pet dies and the parent gives a new pet, like I don't want it, I don't want that. It's dumb. That's a dumb dog. Yeah. And then after a little bit of time, they're like, please don't leave me. You know, I don't want this dog yeah. ever. You know, so it's like people can get people get initially defensive about something, but then when that initial defensiveness washes away, then their guard gets let down, and then they can really connect with something and have time to sit with it and. I mean, that's when fear goes away. That's when fear goes away, but it's also when judgment, you know, like when those protective sensors come down. Because I'm sure you've had the experience where you watch something and you go, oh my God, I don't know, that was terrible. And then a week later, you're still thinking about it. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. So it was pretty. I think I actually was really moved by that when initially. That happens so often. uh, Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's things I absolutely hate, and I'll return to them later and go, like, I just wasn't in the right mind space. This is actually pretty brilliant. Yeah. I was just like not looking at it the right way or something. But also, I mean, I think there might be a little bit of like, uh, hey, we gotta take we gotta take this zombie guy down a peg. Who the fuck does he think he is? Yeah, you know, rock star and a movie director. Fuck you, you don't get to do that. You know, you don't get. To you do can't that. be that lucky. And whatever, you know. Like I, I still think. Look, there. You know, if people have legitimate gripes or criticisms or whatever that's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion you know it's just the difference between like oh you know like i didn't really understand or appreciate this for x y or z maybe this wasn't for me versus you know fucking oh the fuck this fucking piece of you know and that's not a that's not a real criticism that's just in that's just insult the insult people try to elevate their insulting and call it or you can't take criticism. It's like, no, no one wants to be insulted. Right. Yeah. No, you can take great. criticism. Yeah. It's just the insults. Well, it's funny. Like, when, 
like when someone's like, I got, you know, people complain, I got banned from the fa- that Facebook page or something. Like, well, if you walked in someone's house and like, your mom's a fucking pig and your dad's a fucking ass, you'd win. Come over tomorrow come for on, dinner. Come on, come over every night. You're yeah. like, well, you don't need to be here. But then that person, when they're telling the story, their friends are like, I don't know what happened. I went over to their house. And, right. You know, I, know, I was just, like, all I did was tell the truth. And it's I'm like, just, okay, yeah. your truth. They're all butthurt because I said the mom's a fucking pig. I love, I love that phrase. It's like, I win that stuff. It's so stupid. But um, I also, it's, I just don't, we, I didn't grow up thinking of things that way. Like, I feel like now everybody... Because of the, everybody wants to review everything on their whatever. Right. They're not, and, and I just was like... Well, yeah. everybody has a platform to do yeah, it. Yeah, like now. everybody, but they, they want to look at it that way. I just wanted to go see movies and enjoy them. And I assumed as a kid, every single person was... They're just doing it. Like, I wasn't going to be able to do that movie. Yeah. I wasn't going to make Close Encounters. Why am I going to review it as a 15-year-old and tell that fucking Spielberg guy how he could have been right? <laughs> Here's what he did wrong. I, mean, I just went to the movies. And I knew sometimes I liked... It's so funny. I just wasn't... I didn't analyze it that way. I just knew sometimes I liked the movie more and sometimes I didn't. Yeah. And when I didn't, I was kind of confused. Like, why didn't I like The Black Hole that much? I mean, I know I like Star Wars. Like, you just... I'd be a little <laughs> confused why I didn't like it. But I didn't, like, want to, like... You know, I just didn't even enter my mind. We didn't even talk that way. We just well, sort of accepted entertainment. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to make you think. And yeah. it's not for anything else. And it also... You can tell, I think... When something really speaks to someone, no matter what happens when it comes out, it's the longevity. It's like, well, this av- this did have a story to tell. Right. And if it didn't, then it wouldn't still be connecting with people. And yeah. obviously there's something there or it would, you know, it's like when people talk about uh, the old day, you know, classical music. That's when people were trained. It's like, yeah, there were a lot of shitty artists then. You just don't know who they were yeah. because they right. didn't last. Everybody wasn't Mozart. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I'm excited that the movie's finally out. I was really excited to see it last night. Lydia was working in Louisiana, but I brought Seth Green, and he fucking loved it. Oh, right. And we just, I just, I was so happy for you, and I was so proud of you, and I was so proud of you, <laughs> watching you up there on the, on the screen. I don't know. I mean, you know, you guys are like two of my best friends, and Aww, I just—I know Hardwick. We've that's known why I'm you a so long sorry time. we killed you in the first movie. So we couldn't come back. <laughs> I know. Posein goes. Posein is fucking. I branch him and goes. Oh, you in this one? <laughs> <laughs> and I started to answer sincerely, like, "Well, no," because he goes. You died, and I go. You didn't actually see me die. You just saw my head peeled back, and so I coughed True. up some blood. You could still be alive. Coughed up some blood. You know, very easily. Baby has a closet somewhere. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. With a with a shaved scalp, with a scalp. With J- Jerry, Jerry Jerry Goldsmith's scalp from yeah. 1978. It's in, bad haircut. Yeah, it's it's in uh, it's you know it's it's locked in like a music box and like a beautiful music yeah. box. <laughs> Inside is his scalp. And, yeah. scalp. Uh, Not a lot yeah. of hair, a lot of scalp. Yeah. He didn't die. Post saying he died. Yes. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah, he did. yeah, Brian was like, Big oh yeah, he killed the shit out of me. Like, there was no way. Like, fucking head came. Like, he goes, yeah, there was no way I was coming back. I'm like, you know, Jerry Goldsmith could have, he could have had a life. Yeah. Somehow. He's one of those guys living underground. They were yeah. Dr. Satan. No, I know that after the first movie came out, you said the motto was everyone fucking dies. But again, you know, Pixar, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know? Maybe the... 
Maybe we oversold it. Maybe you didn't die. What do you... Oh, can I ask you... Wow, I've never thought about this before. And I'm about to ask... I'm literally about to ask you a question that I would stand up in a panel and ask you if you were on a panel. What? <laughs> I can't I'm really embarrassed. Did it hurt wearing those pointed ears? <laughs> <laughs> or are they real? Did you make out with a horror? Uh, did... <laughs> Dr. McCoy, real doctor. I mean, or did, did you have to go to space medical school for that? I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> Evil Spock, he was like another guy, right? Uh, does he have to like? Does he have to shave every day to keep his goatee sharp? Well, how many quadlus? <laughs> how many quadlus would it take to? Um, okay, so in your mind, if you've even thought about it. What happened to Dr. Satan? Where is he just still underground somewhere? Is he just a legend who's out there somewhere? I don't know. So uh, someone was Maybe asked, that was a dream, maybe. That's what I said. Yeah. I, I, I guess the answer is I don't know. Um, I don't know. The funny thing is, in the first version of the movie, there, he was, wasn't no, there. there was no Dr. Satan. And then we shot the movie, we did a quick screening on the lot, and, then, and they gave us more money to shoot a different ending. I don't think they thought that's what I was going to shoot, a more even confusing ending, because none of that was there. Which I haven't seen that movie since we had the premiere. Have you? Corpses? Yeah. Uh, I, oh, gosh, I haven't seen it probably in I haven't either. 10 years, I'm maybe? T- yeah, I, I haven't seen it. But basically, you can see... You can see that the last, like, 20 minutes... You can see the $4 million in the last 20 <laughs> minutes of the movie, because it goes from everything being really kind of... DIY to this fucking intricate. There's all these skull. I mean, I know, that you, was from building the catacombs. Set. Is that it, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. before, like, I just they find me just being chewed on by these. Ghouls. Yeah, yeah. It was really like. And then Doctor Satan's like, you know, Wayne Toth did this amazing, yeah, crazy, fucking, yeah. amazing thing, and so I guess he just is still a legend. But the house burnt down, so wasn't that basement on it? Like his. I think Denise just imagined the, it. You think she imagined him? Maybe she did. I yeah. st- I still think maybe a fun thing to do. Maybe it's not too late for the VOD. <laughs> is at the end of Three from Hell, if you if you if it kind of closes in, and then Doctor Satan comes out in a Porky Pig style, and be like, "Hey, thanks everybody. That's all, folks. Thanks for coming. It's me, Doctor Satan. Yeah, now he's just like a just like a seventies DJ. That was his day job. He was just like he was like a Wolfman Jack type. I love when people go. You should make a Doctor Satan movie. So you think that guy could carry an entire? movie? He doesn't even speak. Doesn't speak. And it's just funny because people still, you know, when they'll. When they'll, if they're fans, they're like, do the doctor's thing. So I do it. And I just never thought to ask, like, whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened to him? I don't know. That's what's so great. That, that goes along with, like, only, like, the crazy naivete at that point. Would you create a $4 million ending and you really don't know what it's all about? Doesn't it, matter. Yeah. It works. It was about know. something. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily explain it. And are you pretty much, like... Is that it for this series? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Danny Trejo tried to convince me. Yeah, he convinces. He's trying to convince everybody he was still alive. Yeah. (laughs) He's devising a plan and buttering me up. Has a theory why they're still alive. (laughs) Well, we just went and heard yours, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because you didn't see me die. You did not see me die. Well, you know what? That's a testament to, you know, 
people loving your work and wanting to be a part of the zombie world because it really is like we have a lot of fun on set everyone's a family the crews is a lot of the crews the same and we yeah, all just great. like everyone's hands-on yeah i ran into yeah. jackie last night wayne's oh, yeah. partner and uh and she was like hey it's me jackie i'm wayne's i go i know who you are i've known you for 20 years it's great to see you everyone should head down to halloween town right. down in Glorious yeah. burbank for all your yeah. halloween decoration needs halloween town good one, <laughs> good one. yeah we should make a uh, just a weird Halloween Town local commercial, yeah, like, that'd be awesome. like uh, yeah, just seventies, eighties stuff. Dad, I need a costume. What are we gonna do? Where do yeah. we go? There's nothing good at Kmart anymore or Target. Rob Zombie, what are you doing? Let's go to Halloween Town. <laughs> Holy shit! Come on, <laughs> let's get in Dracula and drive down to Halloween Town. <laughs> <laughs> We've got ghouls and pumpkins and ghost dogs too. <laughs> fun for me and fun for you. Um, uh, what are you excited about now? Are you excited about powering down for a while and like go, going under underground? Um, like Doctor Zane. Yeah, yeah like still Dr. out there, bro. <laughs> still bugging out there, bro. I don't know. I feel like we have a lot of things going on. There's no powering down. No, we're there. We're onto a new project and yeah, keeping busy. Onto a new project. A thing. <laughs> What's the thing? It's a thing. Is this an off mic thing to it's talk a, about? Yeah, it's an off mic thing. Yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> it's, this is a. Uh, I don't like. To, I, I I refuse to announce things anymore because they just the the ratio of things not happening is so high. Yeah. That until, you did not. You I did, did not it, announce this until after we sh- literally shot the first. I didn't announce three from hell to or yeah to or on set shooting. Yeah, and then I posted it because I just could. I at any moment it could fall apart, and it almost did. Yeah. So the you. Rob Zombie Sigmund and the Sea Monsters film is definite. It's not happening. Is happening. Let's just see. Maybe <laughs> Johnny Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> Good pull! Oh my god, that's such a good pull. Well, we were talking about you, you, we, and, and you had already said it, so I can say. I guess I can say it now, or I'll cut it out. But um, um, House of Thousand Corpses musical. Yeah, it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. I know because I've, I've talked been wanting to, you about to do it. that with you for so long. Because <laughs> I'm serious. Because I can't think of anyone else after doing the El Superbisto stuff that it can write funny music. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I would very much like to do it, and we should do it. And now that we've said it, it'll become a thing. But I feel like I just need a fucking Jerry Goldsmith cameo somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I'm not dead. I'm like holding my fucking scalp on. Well, you have to be in it. That's part of it, you know. Hey, everybody, it's me, Jerry. <laughs> it's opening night. No, you'll have the guy, but you'll come out like Cher or somebody. You know what we should do? Members should, of ABBA for Mamma Mia. We should do it in the style of how they opened the old um, police squad. Uh, the <laughs> Brothers, where it's like, tonight's special guest, William Shatner. And the opening credits, they, the guests would die. And then you'd never see them in the rest of the, of the thing. So I could just come out for like two seconds at the top, like, it's me, Jerry. I, ah, and then like I die and then. You know, I'm into it. Then it starts. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me in your home. Thank you for. Oh, I need just. Can I just get like one? Can I just get like? Can I just get like one really nice, sincere piece of relationship advice, guys? How do you? <laughs> how do you? Because I remember the year was 1995. At the 
Thedemius Gourds, which we've told the story before, but I don't think the I ever... The night we met? The night we all met? The night we met, and then you and I were kind of fucking around in rehearsals, right? Yeah. And then at the after party, you came up to me and said, Rob's really shy, but he, we watch Singled Out every night when we're going to bed. And, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so blessed. Like, I can't believe you remember that. I don't remember I that. Of course I remember that. Oh my god. Yeah, Do we remember that? No. We were at the after party at the MTV Music Awards, and you came up to me and you go, well, we just wanted to say hi. You know, Rob's shy, but he wanted me to tell you. But he he's shy, but... I just want to tell you that we watch Singled Out when we're getting into bed at night, yeah. and we enjoy it. And I, I, I don't know. I was just, you know. And then that's that was that's when we. Yeah, I remember seeing Singled Out and like, on, on first glance, I'd be like, "This is gonna like an unwatchable." It's gonna thing make you angry. But then I'd be like, "I love this guy, Chris, is hosting because I can tell he thinks everyone on the show is a total dick, <laughs> and he doesn't <laughs> hide it." No, but it was like, like I was like, he's. Like if everyone they on the show is a tool, show but he's not. It was just nerve yeah, rage. I, I because can see his hatred of everybody. It's not that I hated them. <laughs> it's just that it was like it you was, weren't part of. You were not. I was surrounded by popular people that rejected me in grade school right. and college, yeah. and so it was just a lot of like nerd revenge, yeah. you know? Because I realized. It was so loud on the set that if I mumbled things <laughs> to the microphone, people at home would hear them. And that was a big, right. you know, the first season of the show, it was very loud. And then in the second season of the show, I was really quiet because I didn't want to get punched. <laughs> and so I would just say into the microphone. But you really still had to let breath. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I still had to. Yeah, I remember thinking so, I still had to get, you know, from people that were mean to me. But um, uh, Three from Hell uh, is, if it, I don't think, it, it, it's within the theaters, the 16th, 17th, and 18th. And then after that. But and, and then yeah, after that. Keep, keep in select cities. On. In select cities, and hopefully you live in one of them. And uh, so I just want a piece of uh, sincere relationship advice, now that I'm three years in. I don't know, that's kind of demanding. <laughs> demanding of, of the I'm of so you. sorry yes. I know I, kind of demanding of I come into your home it's like we put so much work into our relationship and you're just asking for free advice I mean you already gave me so vegan we, free pizza today get? yeah what the fuck pizza the I know pizza was real good by the way and so was the salad yeah, yeah. what's your advice? we know how to feed people <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know I don't know it's you know you know, if you're meant to be, you're meant to be, I guess. Yeah, but I don't buy that because you make time. Like, it's an effort. You, yes. You make the efforts. Because I, I like Rob, and I like hanging out with him, and I like doing stuff with him. And when I see things that I'm excited about and I'm not with him, I want to tell him. We only have one short life. I'd like to spend as much of it as I can with like, Rob. This would have ended if, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going on tour. I'll be back in six months. Oh, I'm making this movie. With it. I'll be, you know, gone. I mean, it's like, it's just, you got to do stuff together and work it out. And I see a Most lot of... people annoy me. Yeah. I mean, I like, I really like Rob. I like Find somebody you like and stick yeah. with them. <laughs> God. <laughs> so true. Sleep with someone after a show and then never leave their side. Yeah. It's so simple. Well, I'm not recommending, like, oh that, that journey, but, you know, the, the f- We've almost been together 27 years. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it... I'm making a Home Alone face. <laughs> well, it's just when we start talking about these numbers in reference to our lives, where it's like... It's wacky. It oh, yeah. It just means we're aging, and we've accru- accrued years. Single that was on 25 years ago, and I was an adult then. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's fucking weird. I mean, I was yeah. a young adult, but I was, uh, I was an adult. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Yeah. But I do... Um, I do think that the key to Knock Crazy is to 
you know, maybe it's look at a tree, maybe it's put your phone down, but maybe it's also, I was telling Seth Green this last night where, um, God, he's such a name dropper. Yeah, Seth, okay. yeah, again. Uh, Remember when Meryl Streep had stuff in there? <laughs> 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 but I was telling Seth last night that, you know, of, um, like, I, I'd almost, I almost, like, got emotional when I was saying this, and I, I, I but I said, you know, of all the, I'm so, I'm so glad you came tonight. We've, you know, like our friend group is so great and the people that we stay close to. And I said, of every career thing that I've ever had happen, every great thing that was beyond what I ever thought, you know, the feeling might be momentary, but I said, the times that I've spent with my friends, you know, Seth or Will or you guys, I always feel the longest lasting effects of happiness after that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't um, flicker away the way it's like, Oh, I get to present an award and a thing. Oh my God, I get to go to the Emmys. Whoa, you know. And then yeah. the next day, you're like, oh, I feel the same. You know, it it it, um, <laughs> it it was. And I don't mean to sound like I don't appreciate it. I just mean like it's not. It's just different. But yeah. but spending time with people that you care about that are meaningful to you in your live lives and and um, like that brings me such joy. I mean, Lydia was the one that pointed out. It's like you know, you're always happiest after you see your you know, like when we hang out with friends. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're right. I just yeah. never know. I never well, no noticed. No one's ever going to be on their deathbed thinking, God, I wish I could have walked on one more red carpet. <laughs> some people, I feel like well, some maybe. people will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, uh, there's probably a bunch of people listening that are like, what does he mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly and I don't know if I'd that's just a product of me, you know, getting older and my value. I, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know what it is, but I... I, I just it it really delights me that we've known each other as long as we have. Like it it you know. It, I feel like we kind of watched each other grow up in a certain way. I mean, we're so young for House of a Thousand Corpses, you know. And then that whole journey. I mean, we both like we've all gone through so much in the past quarter. Yeah, and of it's century. not even like we met on that movie. We right. were already like friends way before. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah, I, you knew you knew drug Chris. Oh, you knew drunk Sherry. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, that's the thing is that it's, I think there is that thing about our personalities that need to be engaged in something. We've just seen Chris go through all of his relationships and now you're married. You're finally married. I'm finally married. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And so often you would just meet us for dinner. We'd be like, let's go out to dinner. And then you'd show up by yourself. Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, like, Chris Third Wheelwick. Third Wheel again. That means we're picking up the check again. Uh, oh, guys, I must have left my wallet in my other pants. I don't know. Hey, you guys, uh, I think I drank a little too much. Can I sleep in your, can I sleep in your Disney bedroom? <laughs> Was, uh, oh, was it the Disney? Yeah, Disney yeah, Disney yeah, yeah. We did renovate that. Yeah, I know. After. Yeah, yeah, that was always a high probability that Chris was the guest who wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of people that stayed. Wake in that up in the morning. Chris still here. Yeah. He's still here. Hey, you guys, uh, you're out of. Uh, What's for breakfast? <laughs> you didn't. You got more toilet paper. It's kind of a mess up there. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened last night. But, uh, shit got crazy. That's totally how you used to sound. <laughs> hey, you guys. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of my Rob impersonation, too. Hey, you guys. Hey. That's so weird. It's not Rob at all. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> hey, come on. Come on, you guys. Hey, it's me. Come on. Oh, my God. Uh, 
Uh, well, I love you both. Thank you for letting <laughs> oh, me be here and gush on you. And um, and again, congratulations on the movie. And and uh, and Thank I can't you. wait to Thanks find out coming. off mic whatever this other thing is. Ah. And, and the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses musical coming to a. Yeah, da 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 House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. I mean, just picture Doctor Satan dancing on stage singing. You yeah. gotta see that, right? Who would want to see that? I mean. There is something kind of funny about having him... Oxygen mask and all. Yes, yeah. yes. And that he's oh, singing yeah. this really beautiful song, but you can't really understand him. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. And I the music is really it's beautiful. the most sensitive part most of the movie. Sentiment. Like, yeah. he's has I mean, this, the like, yeah. He has this, like, moment where he has this existential crisis of who am I? And, yeah. I, you know, I never went to medical school, but... You know, and, and sing, <laughs> singing to Jerry Strat. Is, is it okay for me to be called a doctor? Like, I'm yeah. a, should I not just be Mister Satan? You know, people go to school. Mr. Or doctor, professor, you make the call. What about me? <laughs> Chuck Satan. Uh, yeah. Are we gonna be like seventy on on Broadway? Going, remember we were joking about this in the podcast, and now we're here, we're on Broadway. Yeah, now we're billionaires. I'm sure glad we <laughs> yeah. followed through with that one. Yep, it's oh a God. hit. It's gonna happen. It's a hit. All right, the end. Adios. The end. Good night. One, two, three, four corpses. Five, six, seven, eight, nine corpses. But then we just I'll wait it with thousands. Wait it with thousands. Yeah, it'll be like that rent song. They just keep counting that song and rent like nineteen four panties. Yep, yep, yep. Or one hundred twenty one bottles of beer on the wall. You know, it's gonna be awesome. Who wants to eat corpse on the wall? (laughs) Oh, we gotta do it. Just see who sticks around. Yeah. Today's word salad wrap is going to be a little bit different because uh, Robin Sherry and I did the podcast and we finished the podcast and I stopped recording and then we just started talking about reminiscing about corpses, House of a Thousand Corpses and when we all like first walked onto set and what our first memories were and I thought, oh shit, we should record this and so I did and then so I'm tacking it on as the word salad wrap. So I know it's not the traditional... Um, here's how to some tips for things, but it's, uh, but it's super fun. And, and I, we talked about stuff that I completely had forgotten about. So this is a little special bonus. This is for the bonus DVD. It's House of a Thousand Corpses. First memories. We were just talking about our first memories of working on corpses and I, you asked me what my first scene was, and I remember it was the scene where we were getting gas at the gas station, and I come out. I think the first thing I ever did was... Oh, bang on the window? Bang, wakey, wakey, eggs and bacon. <laughs> I think was the first thing I shot and, t- and told them about the murder ride. Uh, funny. And, uh, and I think I also remember that you, when I showed up for set, they had a wig that was not the wig that you had approved, and yeah. it looked... Terrible. It looked like it looked like we bought it at a like just like right, a generic like had, a drugstore. That's why you had to wear that hat to hide the crappy wig. That's right. And then when we got inside the house, they had the the really high dollar wig, so you could take it off and look realistic. That's right. Yes, and it, the yeah. wig the wig at first looked like someone bought it at like a Rite Aid. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and I don't know why that was. I don't because I remember you holding in your hand going. This is we're shooting this now. This is not the wig I approved. What is this? What is this wig? 
And then uh, we sorted out the wig thing. And I also was broke at the time, so working. I think we all worked for scale. I think like that. That money was because, uh, as it turns out, uh, singled out was not a cash cow. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so my first member, yeah, and it was super fun. And I remember Rain had just was on a sketch comedy group before, and so we bonded and we had super fun, a ton of fun. And uh, and Aaron and Jen were really great. Everyone was great, and everyone was super fun. So those are my first memory. What was your first memory? Um, probably rehearsing. Oh, with right. You guys all came over to the house that we were living in, and but I you think remember the rain the... jumped in the pool naked. No, or he, he jumped in the pool with his clothes on. Oh, no, clothes just up. his underwear. Oh, yeah. just his briefs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait a minute. He. Oh my God. Yes. You had yeah. us come over to your house to do rehearsals. Yeah. And Rain didn't have a bathing suit, so he was in his briefs, and he put a towel around his neck like Superman. Oh yeah. And he dove into the. Oh my God! I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Why did it end up going in the pool? I don't know. What? Rehearsal lasted because we rehearsed hours, for a while, and about. then we, we you just, just had a pool, around. and yeah. then we you know Rain jumped in, and then I guess we all. And I think you lent me a bathing suit, and then we I all... Remember. I don't remember, I, I remember the girls Rain going in. I don't remember I don't, going in the pool. I don't know if they did or not. I sort of just remember the girls looking like, what are these what did guys we get, doing? What did we get into? Yeah. 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 I at least had a bathing suit, but I, Rain was definitely in his... In his <laughs> Rain was definitely he in his... He was in his tidy weddings. You probably told them to bring bathing suits. But we That's didn't it. go in the pool. I don't the know. The girls did. I remember the audition... Did you include the audition on the DVD or something? I remember an audition. Maybe. I remember an audition where Rain, where we were all four sitting in chairs, and you and you said to me like, "Look, I, I'm like it was a car or something." Oh, I yes. I want you to be in the movie, but Universal has to approve you, so I need you to come in and audition. These are the other people that I want, and we imp- sort of improvised this scene where Tiny and <laughs> Ode, where we get attacked, where where Robert Mukes's character, yeah. like where we get attacked. And Rain gets out in the audition. He just goes, ah, I'm dead. Yeah, and then falls to the ground. <laughs> and you know why we did that? Because I remember having a meeting and they're like, we're not sure if we believe they can act scared. And that was literally a bring them back and see if they can act scared audition. Yeah. but And then Rain goes, ah, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, ah, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> I pretend, yeah, pretend to get hit on the head or something. <laughs> Uh, that's right. The rehearsals, the rehearsals. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, your first day on set. Do you well, remember? I remember my first day on set was, uh, Tom Tolles and Walton Goggins driving up in front of the Captain Spaulding's place. It was a wide shot. And I was like, you know, they drove up, did it. And, drove, and I was like thinking like, hmm, how many takes should I do before I feel like I got this? <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like, cause I really hadn't thought about that. Like, yeah. I'm like. It's it seems like it looks all right, but is it weird to stop shooting him? Yeah. So I probably, like, you know, did way too many. Let's do another one for me. Yeah. Yeah, let's do another one, yeah. Let's not change anything. Just keep doing it for no weird reason. And roll <laughs> it. Is that <laughs> what I was supposed to say? Filming the camera? Yeah. And Anyone checking that gate? Stop. And stop shooting. <laughs> yeah. You mean cut? Yes, good. Cut. 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 We'll call yes. it cut. Uh, yes. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I, I remember that clearly. <laughs> You've been listening to House of a Thousand Corpses. First moments. <laughs> First moments. House of a Thousand Corpses. Here we come, Broadway. <laughs> ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.